0: Hey, it's Jordan Harbinger here, host of The Jordan Harbinger Show. And if you want to learn to design your best life and have the courage to live it, you should be listening to the More Than Corporate Podcast with Amber Furman.
1: Welcome to the More Than Corporate Podcast. I'm Amber Furman, recovering perfectionist and serial accomplisher. If you're anything like I used to be, you've been living your life thinking that if you accomplish enough stuff, you'll finally find the success you've always wanted. But what if it's not about accomplishing more stuff? What if it's about accomplishing the right stuff? I believe you don't find success. You create it by intentionally designing the life you want and having the courage to get out of your comfort zone to live your design. I went from doing what I was supposed to do to doing what I love to do. And now I get to help others do the same. Keep listening as I chat with inspiring people who make it their mission to live their best life every day and learn how you too can live the life you've always wanted. Welcome back to another episode of the More Than Corporate podcast. I am super excited to have with me an amazing guest, Jordan Harbinger. He needs no introduction, but Jordan is a Wall Street lawyer turned podcast interviewer. His show, The Jordan Harbinger Show, was selected as part of Apple's Best of 2018, and he inadvertently became one of the first podcasters when he started uploading information that he had learned to the web. Today, his show gets over 11 million downloads per month and has featured guests from Kobe Bryant to Cesar Milan and my personal favorite, The Occasional Psychopath. In addition to hosting, the Jordan Harbinger Show. Jordan is a consultant for law enforcement, military, and security companies, and he is a member of the Society of Professional Journalists. Jordan, thank you so much for coming on the show with me, man. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it.
1: Really quickly before we do, this episode is brought to you by Success Development Solutions and the Design Your Life Mastermind. Are you someone who is a serial accomplisher? Let me explain what I mean by that. Are you searching for that next thing that you need to accomplish to find the happiness, fulfillment, or success you've been missing? You keep thinking, I'll be happy when, believe me, I've said those words and I know your pain. I used to chase success like it was a Pot of gold at the end of some accomplishment rainbow. And just like that pot of gold, the closer I got, the further away it seemed because it's an illusion, it doesn't exist. If somebody was to ask you what does success mean to you and you can't answer that question, then the Design Your Life Mastermind is for you. Head over to designyourlife.successdevelopmentsolutions.com to schedule a call with me and see if we're a good fit to work together. The sooner you do, the sooner you can start living the life you've always wanted instead of chasing an illusion that you'll never obtain. I am so excited to have you here. And I have to just get it out right now. Your psychopath episodes are like my favorite. And that makes people love those. Like what's wrong with me, right?
0: Well, yeah.
1: associate (laughs) with this, like, yeah, I get it. But I I listened to them and I was like, this is completely fascinating.
0: People love those. People are like, oh, this is really good on like how to spot a psychopath and psychopath self-defense. And then I'll do another one about like serial killers or something. And people are like, okay, I like that one, too. And it's not true crime, as you know, but people really like we as a society are obsessed with these people. And it's it's only getting worse because now we know that they're like our doctors and our lawyers and our business leaders. And they're not just like crazy truck stop serial killers. They're just like like you right now. Not right now. Hopefully not right now. I don't know. I got to get a brain scan. But right now in your life somewhere you're probably dealing with a psychopath and you just don't even know it. And possibly that psychopath also doesn't even know that they're a psychopath because they haven't murdered anyone or like, you know, harmed any animals. They just think that they're like really good and aggressive at business, but they're like terrible predators.
1: Yeah, I hear you. I um, remember listening to your episode where you were talking about that one and it was insane. Um, I still have my criminal defense practice. So I think that I kind of do have a bunch of psychopaths in my circle. Probably, yeah. um, No, I... um, I've always loved like the way that the human mind works. And I think that's what makes it so amazing to get into like a podcasting space. Cause you get mm-hmm. to have these conversations that you would have no other reason to have with people and like figure out how people's brains work, which is amazing.
0: My whole show is seriously just like one big scam to get interesting people to talk with me for an hour for absolutely no money at all. And, and that's how it started. Like people don't really know this. People go, how did you get the idea to start your show? One of the, I've got my sort of usual spiel and we can get into that in a bit, but one of the things that I never talk about, not that for any reason, just because it's not that interesting, but it is apropos of this conversation, is I thought, how do I get free books? Because books are expensive. I'm in college, you know, I don't have any money at all. How do I get these books that are like 30 bucks, 40 bucks? And then when I thought, like, if I can interview the author... I can get a free copy and then it was like, how many authors can I find that will do this show? Uh, And that's really one of the main things that started because I thought like some of these books are very expensive and and you can get like, you can get an author to send you like all five of their books, you know, in a a box. So it was like, it really kind of did start as a little bit of a, a sham.
1: Yeah, I I love that so much, the resourcefulness. But can I just put a, a for anybody who's listening, just a word of wisdom: if you're gonna invite somebody on your show to tell them that they can promo their book, like read it. If you ask for it, yeah. don't be that jackass that like gets the book and is like, forget this. I'm not gonna read it. I'm just gonna fake mm-hmm. it.
0: Yeah, amen to that. I mean, the better p- p- people get good prep, they get a good show. Generally, I mean, there 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 are ways to screw that up, obviously, but people who have bad prep never really get a great show, um, with few exceptions. Unfortunately, a lot of those exceptions are extremely famous people. So we think we can get away with it. Like Larry King, um, one of the things he told me was, I, cause I said, how do you prep? You know, cause that was my big thing. And he goes, oh, I read the sheet. Uh, about them in the car on the way there. And I'm like, okay, but what else? And he's like, that's it. I just want to use my own curiosity, which to be fair for him, like in 1952 or whenever he started doing, or probably earlier when he started doing shows, that was fine because nobody was doing interviews and his format was so different that that's like, you're talking with people and having a real conversation on the radio? This is new because back then it was like newsmen in fedoras being like tomorrow, the Lions play the Yankees, like whatever, Um, those are two different sports, but you get what I'm saying. And he was like, I'm gonna just sit here and have a chat and I'm gonna use curiosity and that made it novel, but now you can't do that. That was novel 40 years ago. Now, if you're doing an interview and you're just like, I'm using my curiosity, it's like you're lazy, you've had tons of opportunity to prep, This is really bad compared to the other 1.5 million podcasts out there. You know, that's not good. Like you need to, now it's table stakes to have read the book and be well-versed in what the guest is saying. And the only people who get away with not doing that are going to be like the Joe Rogans where they're adding their own comedy and their own personality element in there. And people want to listen because of the weird subject, like aliens built the pyramids or something. You can't do that if you're just starting off, like you don't have the tools to do it. And I personally think there's just not enough room for there to be 10 Joe Rogans who are like coasting on their personality and their conversation skills. There need to be people who are better informed. And if you're like me and you lack talent everywhere, all you can do is outwork everyone else, which is what I do.
1: I I love it. I don't know that you lack talent. However, I do find it interesting that as a Red Sox fan and a Packers fan, you. you through both of my rivals in one sentence yeah, without yeah. even putting them together. So. The
0: Lions and the uh, and, <laughs> and the, the Yankees. Yankees. Yeah. So thanks yeah, for that. Two separate sports.
1: Um, so let's go back. You know, we we talked in the beginning. Lawyer turned podcaster. So this lawyer thing was this always like Jordan Harbinger was going to be the lawyer? with this is a late development in your life? Like, how did law school happen?
0: So law school was a function of, and I'm sure this is no surprise to you as a fellow attorney. Law school for me was. Okay, I graduated from college. Let me go get one of those awesome jobs everybody keeps talking about. What's that? You don't know how to apply for a job? Thanks, guidance counselor. How did you get that title again? Uh, Let me figure this out. In the meantime, I'll go apply at Best Buy. Okay, I'm hired now. uh, Let me fix some computers. What do you mean I'm gonna be selling CDs with my friend's little brother who's 16 and just got his driver's license and is a sophomore in high school? I graduated from college and I have a degree in economics. I I know how to do stuff. And then you know that was just like a cold shower because I thought, wait, I'm, let's see, sixty eight thousand dollars in debt or whatever it was, right? And I get to make seven twenty five an hour next to a kid who has no debt, is in high school, and is like three or no, God, seven years younger than me at that point. Not gonna happen. Like that didn't make any sense at all. But then there were no re- no one told us how to get real jobs. There was no, nobody even like tried to explain that to us. And I remember talking with a lot of the guys I graduated with, like all the guys on my floor, we were like in the honors floor. So these aren't like schleps. And I go, what are you guys doing for jobs? And no one had a freaking clue except for like one guy who was going to work at his dad's car dealership. I was like, didn't you graduate with a poli-sci degree? Yeah. Okay, so you're working for your dad's car dealership. No one else had a real job. And it took years for anyone to even get like a real job and for me i was like this is not a good situation clearly i've done something wrong and then people are like you should go to law school because you like to argue terrible advice like never listen to those people they don't know what they're talking about it's always like a gym teacher who who's your aunt who tells you that (laughs) not there's anything wrong with gym teachers but they don't know anything about the law okay and like your aunt just is like "You you have that personality you should be a lawyer you know like on law and order so you, I went to law school, which is like the worst reason to go to law school, but also like the most common reason to go to law school is that I, I when I was there and I went to Michigan law, which is like a decent school, there were so many classmates that were like, yeah, I just, you know, lawyers make a lot of money. So like, it's a good place for me to start my, I'm not going to like end up being a lawyer, you know, but I I'll like, maybe I'll start there. And yeah, yeah. that was everyone, everyone, man.
1: I heard it too. I heard it too all the time. And what's even worse is the people that have been practicing for 30 years were the same people that said they weren't going to actually end up being a player. It's awful. Yeah. I was just having a conversation with an attorney friend of mine yesterday. And we were talking about how, like, when it comes to the law, and I think that this applies to so many postgraduate professions, when it comes to the law, there's these two groups of people. There's the people who are like lifers and they're going to be doing this, like with Mm. oxygen tanks until they like (laughs) drop dead. Yeah. Which is going to be
0: like age 45, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) And then there's the people
1: that are like, what the hell did I get myself into? And why didn't anybody tell me that this was going to suck this badly? And he said something to me and he said, I, really wish that I knew what it felt like to love practicing law. And I'm like, you've been doing this for like 25 years.
0: There were guys at my firm that were like giving us these lectures on financial derivatives. And you could see the ones that just lit up and loved it. And I, I remember thinking, I'm so jealous that you like this because you love somehow this kind of pretty boring career that is super lucrative and you're a partner now because you love it and you're creating all these things so your lifestyle is probably pretty decent you probably make millions of dollars doing it but every other partner was like I gotta get CLE credits I gotta work on Sunday my third wife's gonna be so angry that I'm missing her birthday again you know it's just all of that and I was like this is not a good scenario
1: no no it's not so some of us realize that sooner than others and um some of us never realize it. But I think that we all have this debate that goes on of, okay, so I worked so hard for this. How can I really make a change? And then on top of that, like you have all your family around you. That's like, oh my gosh, like, my son's a lawyer, my daughter's a lawyer, like the lawyer in the family. And you're like, I don't want to disappoint you, but like next year I won't be the lawyer in the family. No, I'm going
0: to be the guy who, you know, man, some of my lawyer friends, I don't even want to give away their occupation. I almost said something that's like, so obviously going to be identifiable as them. How about this? They're going to be a podcaster next year. How pathetic is that? Right? So (laughs) like, like a lot of, I mean, a lot of my family, not even my mom and dad, but like the extended family, they were like, how can you let him quit law and do this stupid thing? And yeah. now they're like, we always knew you'd make it. I'm of like, no, course. you didn't. No, always, you didn't.
1: always. So what was that dialogue like? Your parents, are they, um, like, do they have postgraduate degrees? Are they? No,
0: Okay. no, no, no. They were both the first person in their family to go to college. So once I graduated from college, they were like, OK. And then when I applied to law school, they were like, oh, OK, great, sure. That's a bonus. And then when I graduate, got into Michigan, they were like, they didn't understand that it was that great until their friends told them, because you know, like, you don't track law school rankings unless you are a crazy uh, helicopter parent or you're a, law pers- a prospective law student. Like, those are the only people that are doing this. Uh, and the editors of World Re- U.S. News and World Report who make the rankings, like, no one else gives a crap. My parents didn't care, and then when I graduated from law school, I'm sure my mom and dad got some mileage out of the fact that I was a lawyer. But I don't think they really—they're not really like the type to go out and be like, "Our son is a lawyer." It's just—it's a a little pretentious, anyways. So they were proud, I'm sure, but they weren't like, "We're successful parents because our kid's a lawyer." Everybody suck it. They they weren't like—they weren't like those people, you know. They're not. I'm—I'm like a, a a random miscellaneous white dude from Michigan where you're just a like, you ask what your heritage is and they're like, we're Polish, Czech, English, Scottish, Dutch, German, and French. And you're like, so nothing. Got it. (laughs) Whereas like a lot of my friends who were at law school were like Indians or Asians. And they were like, my mom said that she was going to kick me out of the house if I didn't get into law school. And then another kid pipes up, my mom said that she was going to do something even worse if I didn't get into law school. And I'm like, my mom didn't really care if I went to law school and of course then they move the goalposts and they're like I have to be a supreme court uh, (laughs) clerk or my parents are going to disown me and I'm like that that is not a good way to live so I had the opposite of that in many ways or maybe not the opposite but I had a much different experience where my parents were just like hey whatever you want to do and then when I left law to do the podcasting thing later on they weren't like you're an idiot they were like okay you'll figure it out it's fine you know, do whatever you want to do. You can also get a real job somewhere, else, or another real job where you can do your own thing. And like, they weren't really, there wasn't a lot of pressure. It it didn't matter. I didn't have kids, I wasn't married. I left early enough where I had student loans, which you can defer, but I didn't have any responsibilities other than to myself, right? The, in, in a lot of parents, they'll put responsibility, well, a lot of people in general will put responsibilities onto other people. They didn't do that to me. They they were like we did our job. If you screw up your life now, like that's on you. And I remember my mom being like, "You can't move back home if your business fails. Just know that. Like you I you love can come that. back. You can come back and live there for like a, a month while you find a new place. That's it. You're not. You can't live with us." And I was like, "I do. I don't plan to. I didn't like doing it when I was a kid. You think I'm gonna do it as an adult? Come on."
1: Right? I hear you there. So we're gonna um we're we're in this COVID world where I think everybody and yeah. their friend has become a podcaster, but before I know it COVID, podcasting wasn't like this thing that you wanted to do. So you go from being a lawyer to being a podcaster, and that happened. Yes. How? So
0: let me think about this. The way that this happened at first was well, it, it was I was in school, and I'm I'm trying to get the historically accurate version here, but I can get get close. So I was in school. I was still a law student, and I had done my summer internship, for lack of a better word, at this Wall Street law firm and at this British law firm. And it it quickly became clear that I needed to learn how to bring in business because you're not going to coast by in your natural smarts unless you're a freaking genius on Wall Street. And you're not going to be able to work harder than everyone else, which is kind of my strategy Uh, or was my strategy earlier in college and is in part my strategy now, you can't do that because everyone's like super smart, working seven days a week, 16 hours a day, trying to get those hours in, trying to hit their bonus, trying to get picked for partner job, whatever. Like you can't, there's no room to do that. Just like when you're budgeting, there's infinite room to earn more money, but there's not infinite room to cut back on lattes, right? Like you can't get rid of, any more expenses than you possibly could survive on but you can have infinite earning potentials sort of the opposite with with law and so this partner told me that he brought in business and that's why he was like the most highly compensated partner but also one of the youngest i can't say if he was the youngest or not fully but he was one of the youngest and i thought okay i gotta learn how to bring in business how do i do that he's like networking okay, what does that mean? You know, just like keep in touch with a lot of people, like your old classmates, and I was just like, this is not real advice. And then he's like, you know, just be cool, man. And I was like, oh, okay, let me stop you right there. You know, I went to law school, okay? I don't know where you went to law school. Just be cool was advice that, that is non-actionable advice, okay? If I could just be cool, I probably wouldn't even be here working in financial derivatives securities, you know, law in the first place. So I realized that, look, he he meant well, but this is something that I have to learn myself from first principles, probably from people that don't actually teach that specific thing. So I took like sales and networking classes, but they didn't really do much. The, the sales classes were okay. The networking classes were horrible because they were for people, with, like their advice is like, look them in the eye and have a firm handshake. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, so if I don't get a million dollar contract from Goldman Sachs from my law firm, was it the handshake or the eye contact? <laughs> and I, I kind of like really quickly realized that those were super remedial networking classes for people that had never talked to another human before, basically. And also, and not to sound like an elitist D-bag, but to be an elitist D-bag for a minute here, some guy in the sweater vest at the Learning Annex who works on Tuesday nights is not teaching you how to do anything in a corporate environment because they've never had a real job like that. On Wall Street, in fine, they've never done any, anything even remotely close. You know, they're like life coaches that get hired by some company as a freelancer. They have no clue what they're talking about uh, when it comes to corporate networking and generating business. They just don't. So I started to research things like psychology and influence and persuasion and sales, like high ticket sales, not, you know, used car sales, but like high ticket sales, relationship based sales that was the stuff where i went okay this all makes sense now i can apply this stuff to business i can apply this stuff to my dating life or whatever i was ha- i was teaching that stuff in law school and it tur- it sort of migrated on a hard right turn and became a dating and relationships course and then a dating and relationships show or podcast and that was the original sort of idea but i wasn't like i'm gonna have a radio show in my basement it was like i'm teaching and i need ways to dis uh, distribute mp3 files and it doesn't exist remember no youtube in 2006. no soundcloud in 2006. no spotify in 2006. there was no i think all we had was napster and you couldn't be like go on napster and search for this you know that's that didn't work so as i had to put attorney, my as an attorney you shouldn't be
1: telling anybody to go on napster right yes like... right
0: this is the one legitimate use of napster go on <laughs> napster and get a copy of this uh copyrighted item that i own that i freely license in, in the public domain essentially um yeah that uh that's you're right i probably should uh probably should be careful there good thing i'm not a real lawyer anymore um <laughs> but that was the idea it was, it was just kind of like you know i should do this and i can add this sort of file online and then i'm I've and then it became a show it was like because it felt like doing a show so it became us doing a show and that was the beginning of, of my broadcasting career.
1: I love it. I love it. And you've obviously done so many great things since then. And you've had some awesome conversations for the people who are just starting out now, who are saying like, what's the biggest pitfall? Because I think, you know, Amazon ran out of mics, they ran out of um, cameras, they ran of all this stuff, because everybody's like, I can just plug this in and, and start podcasting. So we talked about being prepared. But other than that, from like a technical side for that person, that's just getting started, what do you think is the most important thing for them to think of?
0: Yeah, you look, I mean, it's always going to come down to prepping great. Uh, and your ability to have great conversation is always going to be the top thing. So content, right. But there's not really something technical where it's like, oh, you need to make sure you have a good USB mic. I mean, what I will say is a lot of people will buy a $400 mic and or whatever, and then their room sounds like crap. In acoustics, it's kind of like 80-20. Um, it's always the room. the room. A good room with a really bad mic, like Apple AirPod type scenario, or like even worse, you know, OG headphone type thing. A good room with those is way better than a bad room with a really expensive mic in fact if you get a really really expensive mic it's even worse because then you can hear like a cricket fart across the street and you've got no acoustic protection so like this room right now behind me i've got a sheet of paper uh and like some acoustic stuff back there some soft stuff over here there's acoustic panels over there behind my camera there's acoustic panels there's acoustic panels over there and those are like 80 bucks each or 100 bucks each, right? So for under $1,000, you can make a room sound a million times better, there's a rug on the floor, but you hear people recording and I get it, they don't wanna spend a lot of money, but they overspend on the microphone. They could get like a $50 USB microphone from Audio-Technica or something like that. That's better to put in and spend the rest on acoustic stuff. You know, throw a rug down from Ikea or whatever. It doesn't matter, but you got to get something going. And you know that'll make it sound a million times better. But really though, like sound quality is a thing, but it's sort of part of the 20 of the 80-20 that doesn't make as big of a difference. Um, the 80 is really going to be, what are you bringing to the table? Are you ready for the conversation? How skilled are you at conversation? How quick are you at conversation? Um, not that you have to speak fast, but that you need to be able to like, pull from your six pages of notes quickly and not be, you have to be able to plug in anything at any time during that conversation, not going in order. Like those are practiced skills. Those are the things that make the biggest difference. That's why you can't really like spend your way to a better podcast. It doesn't really work. You know, like you, you hit a ceiling at a certain point with tech, whereas like a really, 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 really nice camera is a lot nicer than a medium, mediocre camera, right? And and your shots will look better. But if you don't know what you're doing at all, it'll all look like crap. It's the same thing with audio.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I love the way that you said that it's a learned skill because I think that there's so many people out there that are telling people that being an entrepreneur is in your DNA. You either be able to do it or you can't. And it's total bullshit. Like, Yeah, it is. there There are personality traits that we have that breed entrepreneurism a little bit easier but anybody can learn it so i love that you threw that out there
0: it's true look almost anything is going to be a learned skill and when people go there are some things that are nature and not nurture fine i don't like we won't get into that debate but most things that you see people doing that people think are innate are not innate they are things that were learned early so early in that person's life that it looks innate but it really isn't and and nobody will really necessarily say that it was like let's say you know somebody who's really good at sales and then their mom goes yeah he was always really good at sales and you go well what are you talking about oh well when he was 15 he sold his car and then he bought his friend's car and he fixed it up and he sold that one okay but he learned it he just learned sales at age 13 14 and 15 versus learning it at age 25. it's not innate he wasn't seven years old upselling people on something and if he was he learned that somewhere too and you see this all the time with like young uh, upstart entrepreneurs who are super successful it really looks innate because they're so far ahead of the game they look like geniuses for doing something and many of them are don't get me wrong but it's not innate right it's not an innate skill so same thing with dating you know when I was dating and I was single a lot of people would go like oh well some people have it some people don't or you're born with it or you're not they're talking about like the gift of gab or whatever but like I am I talk a lot on The Jordan Harbinger Show, of course, it's my show, so I'm always having conversations like this. I used to be shy, never talked. It's a learned skill. The reason it looks innate is because I've done it so much that it looks effortless, because it, it sort of is now, but 20 years ago, if you were like, you're gonna be having a radio interview talk show, I'd be like, yeah, that's literally the last thing I'm ever gonna do with my whole life. I don't even want, why are we even talking now? I'm scared, I am going to run away. Like, I was so shy as a young man, it didn't even make sense. Now I'll go up on stage and speak. It's just learned skills, period. And 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 people need to, you're right, people need to absorb that and sort of take that in because how disempowering is it if you're thinking, I've got to start a business, but I don't know, maybe it's not in my DNA. What do you, t- I mean, that's just such a weird myth and it sucks. It's totally not serving you. And it's also not true. So you're you're right. I agree with you.
1: Agreed. Um, the other thing is this idea of introvert, extrovert. I, I remember when I found out that most really good networkers are actually introverts, it shocked the hell out of me. Yeah. And then I was listening to a conversation that you were having at PodMax and you are saying that you were an introvert as well. And I was like, I keep seeing all these amazing podcasters and they're like, I need like to people detox for a good like three or four hours when I'm done with anything, which is a myth as well that I think needs to be busted.
0: Yeah, you're right. Um I can't remember where this is from. It might be like Susan Cain's work called Qu- her book Quiet, which is so- sort of about introverts and things like that. This this sort of new science, I'll call it. Um introvert and extrovert, a lot of people think extrovert means you're outgoing and introvert means you're you're not. It that's not actually what those terms mean. It's what we make them. It's like the modern definition of those terms, sure, but introvert just means you recharge with me time. Extrovert means you recharge with social time. So Your friend who goes, oh, I'm so tired, what a long week. Let's go out tonight, we need to let loose. You're like, are you insane? I'm gonna do the opposite. I wanna be in bed by nine. I'm gonna eat a pint of ice cream and watch something or read. And you know that's what an introvert, extrovert difference is. Extrovert or introvert does not mean can't talk on stage. Introvert does not mean can't have a conversation in front of other people on a podcast. Introvert does not mean can't do YouTube. It doesn't mean that at all, it just means that after you're done with a long day of shooting and you're tired, you don't wanna go out for drinks with your friends and crew and get lit. You wanna go home and walk your dog and go to sleep. You know That's all that it means, it has nothing to do with ability and to your earlier point uh, that you brought up, introverts are often better at talking with other people and better at networking and better at developing relationships because, uh, and I'm pulling from memory here, it's been a while, but introverts are usually they're better listeners generally, Um, not always true as evidenced by yours truly, but they're also, or we are also better at paying attention to what other people are saying, their emotions, how did this affect that person when they heard it? Whereas extroverts are often focused on the impression that they're making on other people, among other things. They're sort of like more external. They're not processing as much. And again, this is like gross generalizations based on science that I didn't do personally, so so I don't <laughs> know. But this totally makes sense, right? Because I, if I'm having a conversation, is it better for me to be thinking about when I can talk next, or is it better for me to be listening to the other person? And the answer should be pretty clear, especially if you're an interviewer. But also, if I'm in a social situation it's probably good for me to know how my words or someone else's words are landing for other people in the room and introverts are better at that again extroverts can do it too but introverts are naturally better at that typically so that's a huge advantage right no you might not be the one who goes up and volunteers first for karaoke or gets the dance floor going but that is not really what people look for in someone that they know like and trust you know in fact, like how how often is it that you pick someone and go, "You know what, she's the most fun. Let's hire her." Like it <laughs> happens, but generally that's not the only criteria. Usually you look for the person who's good on teams. Everyone enjoys being around them. They are uh quiet but they get the job done. You'd rather hire that person than, "You know what, Sharon can drink a lot and she's <laughs> a great dancer." You know, th- so when you think about it from that perspective, introverts are typically advantaged in those areas we just look at social status and we go look at this extrovert who's killing it i'm a nerd i'm not you know this all is this is going to play out in every area of my life and it's just not how it works
1: yeah it's amazing it's like that thing that we use to convince ourselves that we can't have the crap that we want. And so we're like, oh, I can't do it because of this, right?
0: Yeah, sure. I, and I get I, it. I, like, I <laughs> wouldn't want to, if I'm an introvert and someone says, hey, you can learn all these skills about speaking on stage, broadcasting, being getting a personality or whatever it is for your radio, sh- whatever it is you want to do. Or you can say that you have a medical excuse for not networking because you're an introvert. So you're just going to never learn how to do it. And if anyone's like, why didn't you learn that? You're like, I'm an introvert. I took a personality test in high school. So that's my life now. You know, c- give me a break.
1: Yeah, we could have a whole nother conversation about personality tests yeah. and usefulness for those. Mm-hmm. Um So for my last podcasting question is, what do you see for the future? What do you think people who have been doing this for a little bit, or the person who's just getting started, where do you think podcasting Mm -hmm. is going in the future?
0: Uh, Podcasting is, well, it's growing like crazy, and no surprise there, right? Like you kind of feel it. I mean, you're talking with people who are new to the game. The the amount of ad money coming in is massive which means the amount of investment coming in is also massive and then that means more ad money which means that not only are these big players like spotify and google and apple probably going to step up their game spotify already has but apple and google are kind of like hey we're doing something and it's really small but like those companies are behemoths right they need a long, long time to get going, if they even care in the first place. So those big companies are just starting to care. Think about, the, I don't know how often you listen to the radio. I never listen to the radio at all, and I haven't for years and years and years and years. Some of that's because I'm a podcaster, but also, like, let's admit it, Spotify existed, and immediately most of us were like, this is garbage. I'm getting Spotify. Why do you listen to commercials? So those companies are uh, radio right now is like a 12 trillion or sorry no 12 billion dollar market and podcasting is like one and radio might even be more. It might even be like 21 and I'm just flipping the numbers around because I'm going off an article I read a couple of days ago. But either way, podcasting is one. So it's either one 12th or one 20th, and then some of either radio. Either way, not good. Right, either way, not good. But also that shows you, if you think podcasting is coming right now, imagine what happens when radio is kind of no longer a thing. Like you, Even now you don't really need it. And internet coverage is getting better nationwide. Uh, the advertising is more effective in podcasts than it is on the radio. The problem is a lot of advertisers can't get enough impressions on podcasts because there literally aren't enough people listening. So that's why they advertise on radio. Once the, the pressure shifts toward podcasting, It's that's going to change everything because we're not even close to we're like sort of in second innings right now with podcasting and also the technology like right now we're recording on Zoom. It gives us reasonable quality audio and video, but it should really give us perfect, flawless audio and it should really give us super high def 4K or 8K video where I basically feel like I'm in the same room as you. And that's not where we are right now at all. And that is a just such a clear gap in technology compared to other media. And that is set to change. And so we're really, really early in podcasting. You know, the talk format's not going anywhere. People love it. The most popular stuff around are these talk uh, shows other than like fictional drama which costs a zillion times more to produce right and, and and everything so like there's this industry is just sort of kicking it off it really is like second inning right now or even third uh with all the money coming in spotify but it's funny because i get letters from this radio, these radio folks or like these analysts that are older and they say things like you know radio's coming back and i go where's your data No, 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 I mean, when people get back in their cars after this pandemic, buddy, no one's gonna be listening to podcasts. They're all gonna be listening to radio because radio's in your car. And I'm like, have you seen a smartphone? It fits in my pocket and it doesn't have a radio in it, but it has a lot of podcasts. These guys are delusional and they don't, the data is also not on their side. Um, It's slow because adoption of something like this is relatively slow compared to like adoption of YouTube, but it's very much going, it's very likely to happen um in in at some point which is good to say like because we're heading towards self-driving cars as well how many people want to hear the same songs over and over and over when they can have an unlimited content menu at their fingertips you know that is going to change a lot of things a lot a lot of things and we don't even have broadband in most of the united states right so just think about like where we are on the spectrum of technology and development
1: yeah i love it i think that i think you're right on on that and i i find it funny that somebody would say that podcasts aren't in cars because like bluetooth isn't new like this isn't a new thing
0: these are a lot of radio people though like i i hate to say it because i don't want to pick on a certain profession but and like a lot of the talent they know because they're like hey did you catch my no how do i get the podcast or they see like their podcast has more downloads than their uh survey data says people are listening to their radio show um they know it but very few of these like ad sales people and things like that know that this is happening and there's a quote in here and i can't remember who it was uh but the quote is something like it's very difficult to get a man to believe something when his paycheck is contingent upon him not believing it i think it's that it's something along those lines you probably heard it before the, basically, if somebody is incentivized to believe that radio is coming back or that this is uh, that it has any advantage whatsoever over podcasting, they are just not paying attention because they're worried about that, you know, what's going to happen to their to their job. The writing is on the wall for everything like this. Like even television, it, if if you are selling ads for television, I think now you kind of get that streaming is a thing. And if you don't, you should read an article because you're you're going to be on the outs. It's the same thing for this this digital platform. The only reason radio is held on is because of the broadband issue uh, nationwide.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. So this is the More Than Corporate Podcast and we talk about defining your own idea of success. We talk about making intentional actions to create the life that you want. So I ask every single one of my guests, what does success mean to you specifically? And how do you kind of track that to make sure you're going in the right direction?
0: You know, that's interesting. I've changed my definition of success over time. I guess that's probably what normal people do, I think, right? Like for me before in my early thirties, I was like, okay, I've got to make this business work. And it didn't even matter how much money I was making. It was like, did, am I learning stuff? Is th- Are things growing? Is it easier? Am I getting a 5%, 10% uh, increase in revenue each year, whatever it was at the time. Then when I got a little bit older, I was like, I need to make some money because I need to buy a house because I need that if I'm going to like get married and have a family. And so I switched gears and I started making money uh, in the business, in the Jordan Harbinger show. And and then now, literally like the last year and a half, and I think it's not a surprise that it coincides with the birth of my son, he was, who's 19 months old. I've basically transitioned from that to flexibility and simplicity and that I I, I've now I finally see that I'm I've shifted gears so I'm going to plan for this moving forward which is like my kid's 19 months old right now I see him every day I get to play with him every day um you know I'm changing diapers and singing old McDonald had a farm all the time like I'm doing that every single day and as he gets older I want to be able to spend more and more time right now he's just sort of like literally attached to mom in many ways um you know and and doesn't always want to play with dad for more than a few minutes and so as he gets older and as i have more kids i want to be able to spend time with those kids and not be like still cranking to try to earn as much money as possible and scale and all that so i started simplifying greatly this year and last year and i'm also going for flexibility like i need systems in place where I can take more time off as the years go by and not take a decrease in pay. And the the way I'm doing that, just to be really candid and simple here, is I'm trying to grow my show a bunch right now because that's sort of time intensive. Um, and it's it's like a code I'm cracking. I'm trying to figure out marketing and advertising. But the reason I'm doing that is because in three, four, five years, I wanna be able to either not do that anymore at all, uh, the advertising and marketing, and or that sort of runs itself because I finally figured out how to automate it or hired out for it, train someone. And then also, now that my show is, let's say, in three, four, five years, twice the size as it is now, I could afford easily to work half as much and the number of the dollars that are coming in right the income is still the same i probably won't do that because that's really hard to do right when you're you're just like screwed i'm going to make more money like who wouldn't do that but i want the option to be able to do that as well because i want to be able to take like summer trips with my kids and family so my version of success is is has been changing but of course i'm looking at each goal and as i'm getting closer to it but i always reevaluate like every year i go okay what did I like? What didn't I like? And I'm literally sitting down with like my wife in a Google doc writing this stuff down. What, am I, what do I wanna do this year? Like what is the theme of this year? So this year it's simplicity. I don't wanna do all this extraneous crap. Anything that sort of gives me stress, I just go, do I need to do this? If I do, how much? What does it do? And so i gotten rid of a lot of like fomo things like social media i answer my dms on there from show fans but i don't post on instagram why because i don't need to it was adding complexity i felt stressed doing it it's not something i enjoy like it just failed in all these categories so i look for like when i'm thinking of success i go okay what is my goal am, and am i getting closer to it in in what measurable way and i write this stuff down like i quit instagram I'll answer, Like I said, I'll answer my DMs, that's it. I quit Twitter. I'll tweet things when I'm on the app answering people if I think about it at that time, or I really go, I should tweet this because this is gonna be interesting. That's when I do it. I don't automate content drips, none of that. And I'm not on TikTok and I don't use Clubhouse. And it's like, uh right? I'm like, you know, it's like that feeling, like that stretch, rel- you just woke up from a nap feeling, that's the right feeling. Um, everybody I know who's on all those channels and isn't like really into it, they're freaking miserable, man. Cause they've got 17 tools to auto post to each thing. And I'm like, that's not success. I don't care if you made $2 million last year, like you're a wreck.
1: Yeah, I hear you for sure. There's one thing that you said, well, there's multiple things you said that, that popped out at me. But one thing I want to comment on is this idea that you're working on growing your show because your show gets 11 million downloads per month. Mm -hmm. And that's amazing. There's this point where people look at this and say, oh, he must have it made then. And then to listen to you say, you know, you're still growing your show hits home for people that this isn't a point where you like reach a destination and you're done. Like if you were to stop and take your pedal off of the gas for your show, like eventually it would die off. And so it's like this every single thing that you have to do to keep moving forward and deciding what that forward is.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess there's some of that, but honestly, if I took my foot off the gas of marketing, my show would still grow because I didn't really market it before other than going on other shows. I didn't really bother with that. And if I if I do no marketing and I just produce the show, it actually grows pretty decently. It's just not as fast as I want. So I sort of projected it out and I go all right, what's the path to like whatever goal it is that I have like revenue goal, what's the path to this? Okay, all right, we're gonna get there in like nine years, and then I'm like, that's a long time, but you know I have time. But I'd like to get there earlier. What can I do? So that's what I'm trying to do is get to that that same target earlier. It's the trick is gonna be for me to hit a goal and go. All right, I don't need to scale anymore. I, I'm good. We're done. That's gonna be tricky because you can always do a little bit more, but I've written this down enough and told myself enough and told my wife enough. Like, okay. You need to hold me to these things uh, unless we mutually decide to change them because otherwise I'm gonna get sucked in. Cause that's how me and and a lot of other entrepreneurs are wired, like more is better. But that's not what I've defined success as because if I do that, I'm gonna be miserable just like all the lawyers you and I used to work with Um, because there's a bottomless pit of work. There's a bottomless pit of money you can dive into but none of it really makes you happier. So I'm like, as soon as I hit these goals, I'm shifting from scaling to how to fill free time with other things. And those things all involve like, all right, maybe I'll take jujitsu with my kids or like, it's going to be those things because you can set unlimited business goals, but like family goals are way more important, right?
1: Yeah, I definitely agree. So one of the biggest things that we hear in our industry, especially in the issue of building relationships is dig the bell, dig the well before you're thirsty, right? And it makes me think of all the ways that we forget the skills that we need until the moment that we need them. And then they're like, shit, I wish that I would have learned that, right? So you not only get to interview psychopaths, but you seem to have this knack for getting kidnapped. And um, the kidnapping stories, we're going to leave that. People can click the links that are in the show notes and they can go listen to you tell all about that. What sticks out at me when I listen to those episodes, though, is that like, I know you're telling these stories after you've processed the emotions and you're sitting back and it's been years back and it probably wasn't quite as calm as it sounds in the episodes that you released, but you still had to think fast and you still Mm -hmm. had to be able to. So what did you focus on? What do you think it was in your past that prepared you to be able to get out of those situations? And how has that made you a better entrepreneur?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. So the first time I was kidnapped by a fake taxi in Mexico, I think it's a really common thing now. They basically drive you to a bunch of ATMs. That didn't happen because I got in a physical altercation with the driver before that was able to happen. So I hope that he was just going to take me to ATMs and have me like, rob myself, basically, you know. But I don't know. You know, I could have ended up in little in a basement or something like that. You know, you just never know. So I'm glad I didn't find out. And then the second time uh, was it with a Serbian state security officers, I got arrested, but not really, it was like sort of BS. And I didn't go to a prison, I went to like a basement of a safe house situation. That was weird and scary. But again, the stories are in the podcast that you linked. What I learned there though, is actually the the parallels between sales and escaping a kidnapper, or at least in the way that I did it, are pretty much like, it's like 80% overlap. You know you're you're thinking about like what the other person wants it's like a negotiation right um like a hostage negotiation only you're the you're the hostage <laughs> um, so like you're thinking okay what does this person want okay they want to feel powerful they want to feel important okay what what's their end goal okay probably they want this there's a possibility they want that so like you're thinking of putting yourself in their shoes Uh, going through the dialogue as you expect it might happen, like coming up with options when they say one thing, what are you going to say? Like game planning conversations or the negotiation. Um, There's also like, I guess, you know, in many ways there's a lot of like persuasion skills involved there as well. So, you know, you have to like maintain a certain frame that's like a is that like a hypnosis term it's like a persuasion term you have to maintain a certain frame when they when they do this you know and they get really angry like are you going to match that or are you going to be very calm are you going to be calm because you're you know like you're a, a bulletproof you know like in that way or, or are you calm because you realize that you like, are you going to let them know how you feel? Or are you going to hide it? Like, there's so many different things that you have to think about when you're in those situations. So doing that in a sales scenario in a company, it's like the exact same thing. It's just the stakes are lower. And obviously, there's usually less fear involved, um, and intimidation involved. Uh, so those skills, sales persuasion, I would I would imagine that there are more. But there's there's only sort of philosophical metaphorical stuff that i can come up with now like you you realize that like you have more inside you when you really need it which is true corny but true like you go through a business downer and you're like i hate this i'm not cut out for this right you're beating yourself up you do that with any sort of high stress situation too with the fake taxi i was like how did i get this far you know why did this happen Could I have done something? I should have tried to do something earlier. Like that was, you know, you do that in business too. But then when you realize that you always do that in high stress situations, then when you hit another high stress situation, you can go, oh, okay, I've been through something not exactly like this, but something like this. I've survived. It's gonna be fine, but it's gonna suck for now. And while it sucks, it's gonna feel like it's gonna be forever, but it's not. Because you've already done something kind of like this, and then when you go through something really uh, extreme, um, you start to realize that some of your worst nightmares are not that scary anymore. You get new nightmares, um, but, but like for real, <laughs> but you also realize that like if your business fails, you can start over. You don't have to like lock yourself in a basement and go on a hunger strike, and like you don't have to do bad things to your psyche by beating yourself up. You know, like you don't have to do that stuff. It's just like a failed relationship, a failed business. So all of those things kind of come from any high stress situation, uh, including those two that I was in. But I don't recommend it as a learning tool. <laughs>
1: <laughs> don't go get kidnapped no, in Mexico.
0: I don't recommend it as a learning tool.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely hear you on that. Find other ways to get in high stress yeah. situations that you can control. Mm hmm. I like it. All right. So for the person out there who is in a nine to five, who's in a postgraduate job, whatever that situation is, and they're thinking, man, it'd be really nice to get out of this situation and do something, but I just can't. Mm -hmm. What's your advice to that person on how to start exploring other options and giving themselves permission to change. Well,
0: look, let's let's use an example, like a side hustle, for example. I think a lot of people who want to start a business, they think they have to go all in. I always think that's not great advice. Um I don't I hope you don't give that advice. I don't know. Do you give that advice? Oh God, no. Okay, good. Just checking. Cause I'm like, whose toes am I going to step on right now? No. Um a lot of these people uh, they will and you've seen this these influencers online especially they're like go all-in if you're not going all-in you're not giving it hundred percent you're not gonna succeed and it's such BS because what happens is somebody who's let's say a server at a restaurant and making a living wage and wants to start a side hustle selling uh, sunglasses for example they quit their job to go all-in and then they're spending their days like on Twitter doing busy work and you train yourself to to fill your day instead of filling your day with things that actually matter because since you quit your job you must have needed all that time so you better work on your business so people are just like dawdling they're like making their Facebook page cover graphic one day they're oh man let's build an app you know and they're like designing their business cards none of that stuff matters what you should be doing is keeping your day job and then adding little bits to your business when you have time, or hopefully in a a regimented way every day. And then when something gets to be too big of a project or too big of a task, you outsource it to somebody else. So you should hire other people for your business before you even leave your own job to start your business, if you can. Um, The other thing that this does is it gives you stability and it gives you flexibility, which is even more important. Like if you quit your job, if you quit that serving job and you go all in, okay. What happens if you run out of runway before your product launch? Well, now you're rushing to get your product out because you need money. Is that the best thing for the product? Is that the best thing for the launch? No. Right? Or you run into some other issue, a supplier issue. The prototype has a thing on it that makes it not work. You get a bad shipment. The color uh, stops existing. You got to change the design. Like these things, if you have your day job, you go, man, that's such a bummer. We worked on that for three months. Now it's going to take three more months. You, You know, you're bummed. If you quit your job and it's gonna take three more months, you are effed right now, it's over. You're living with your parents, if you're lucky. The business goes under, you can't afford to pay anyone, you can't afford to keep your website going, right? Because you don't have income. Why do that to yourself? Yeah. So that, so that some guy on Instagram is impressed with you going all in, like you should not go all in. When you quit your job is either when you're making a ton of money and you don't need it anymore, or, and this usually comes first, or when You've, hire, you've hired the salesperson, you have a customer service company helping you out, you're packing shipments with your kids on, in evenings and at night or you know, on weekends, whatever it is, to get it out and you go, if I had more time to dedicate to this, we could come up with a different design or scale this way or do these other things. Then you leave your job because you have another source of income and you are the bottleneck in growing or scaling that company, right? You have to be the bottleneck. Don't make yourself the bottleneck or just quit your job and try and fill your days. That's what most people do. And it just leads to a massively stressful situation and people make bad decisions under stress. (laughs)
1: Yeah, for sure. I'll never forget when I started my law firm, the first piece of advice I was given that I hold on to in the entrepreneurial spaces. It's amazing how little you have to work to make what somebody else is willing to pay you. So if yeah, you can like replace your income in like this small amount of work, like you don't have to go all in until you can support your kids, you know, in this yeah. other way.
0: No, it's true. Also, a lot of people who are this and and look, this is a high quality problem, I guess. I don't want to sound like a snob here, but once you look at your paycheck and your, then you look at the check you're getting from your own business and you go, wait a minute. I used to work so freaking hard to get $2,500 or like $3,500 or $4,500. And you're like, you mean to tell me that I just got that in three days doing this, I mean, look, you might have costs, this might be gross revenue. There's a, but now you've got different taxes as a business. So it starts to get like, you start to get angry going <laughs> seven 25 an hour. I worked for three freaking years and you add up all the money you ever made from that job that you had. And you realize you made it like last week and you go, yeah.
1: damn it.
0: Right. Like Absolutely. It's just, it
1: burns. I love it. All right, Jordan, this has been a fantastic conversation, but I want to re- be respectful of your time. Where can people follow up on this? Where can they track you down? Where can they find your course on networking? How can they get a hold of you?
0: Sure. So, The Jordan Harbinger Show is my podcast, H A R B I N G E R. I would love it if people would listen. Uh, I talk less in that show generally, just in case anyone was wondering. Uh, I play your role and people enjoy it more. I should probably take a note there. Um, but I do that show, I'm at Jordan Harbinger on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, the course is at jordanharbinger.com slash course. It's free, you don't have to enter your credit card anything like that. It's a networking course. I give a lot of drills and exercises that you can do in like three to five minutes a day. It's called six-minute networking because five-minute networking was taken. Uh, You can do them in three to five minutes a day and they're really, really easy and they're things that'll help you get a job or get a raise or help you in your career or make connections in your business industry, whatever it is, book guests for your podcast. It's just general purpose. And again, no credit card, none of that, no upsells. Uh, JordanHarbinger.com slash course. If people are thinking that they don't need to network right now, I will say this is the best time to do it because everyone's at home. Most people have time, and most people are like, oh, an old friend. I would love to catch up with them because I don't have anything else going on right now. Right. So yeah. it, this is the best time to network. Also, if you're networking for your career, Most people are like, oh, I'll do that when we get back to the office because this is kind of a break. Now's a great time to stand out and be the person who comes back with network intact and healthy.
1: Yeah, and when they take your course, they can stop being the person that messages that old friend and says, hey, by the way, I want to say hi, but here's the link to my Facebook group. Like, don't do that shit.
0: Yes, don't do that shit. That's the worst. (laughs) Dig the well before you're thirsty.
1: Thank you so much, Jordan. I really appreciate your time. Hey, thanks for having me on.